Daily Season 2, Episode 247 for September 4th, 2023. Tonight we're going to discuss the speed of evolution, shell companies shouldn't hold property, rocket raccoons invade Belgium, smarty pants, no really, that's the name, 14 upcoming computer games, breaking the ice for sick scientist, skiing for dust, gnawing desire for iPhone, alligators in Pennsylvania River, bees lawsuits, truth in advertising, and new arc line, the steampunk RPG. That and maybe a little snark. Up next on Hometown Daily. Okay, I like this music. All right, folks, we've already got all of our articles all ready to go. That's hometown right there. I'm Mayor Watt, and up there is the AI that is up high. <laughs> you want to say hi? Up here. Up here. <laughs> <laughs> up there. Up there. Uh, good evening, hometown citizens. Yeah, we change the colors periodically, but I have been lax lately in changing them. Because, I don't know, why not? Just, it is what it is. Uh, we're supposed to have different colors for different shows. Uh, but I have yet to launch a new show. and Mainly because it, we do a daily show that covers all of the <laughs> subordinate shows. Other subjects. <laughs> yeah. That's okay, though. They're all over. The, we made, cha or I should say, the mayor of hometown created hometown so that he could manage... Uh, what amounts to information overload and that's where all of the articles are housed into 50 different channels also groups forums discussion bases whatever you want to call them but a little community um we're also over in uh, discord youtube podcast patreon mm, TikTok. oh yeah there's TikTok, but i haven't posted any videos there for a little while um because I'm trying to get everything worked out. Anyway. Oh, and we're on the site formerly known as Twitter, but I have an embargo on that. So, yeah, whatever. Um, anyway, let's get into the first article. Unless you want to say something as a preamble kind of a thing. Do you have anything? Do you want to say anything? No, let's go to the article. Very first articles over in the Mobile channel. Plesiosaurs are plesiosaurs that they've been able to double the neck size in. Uh... I'm sorry, I couldn't keep that going. Plesiosaurs doubled their neck length by gaining new vertebrae, research shows. And this is what I'm referring to as the speed of evolution. Yeah, I was going to say, I'm hoping this is through evolution and not one sitting there <laughs> it just taller. through force of it's like my beard um f through force of will alone i can make it grow and so plesiosaurs were very plesiosaurs with themselves that they grew a longer neck it took them five million years apparently the article's over at fizz.org <laughs> plesiosaurs <laughs> i'm very plesiosaurs with myself that i made that <laughs> made that work 
University of Bristol is the source. Their lengthy necks used for chasing fast moving fish developed quickly over a 5 million year period around 250 million years ago. Not That's a, a quick period. <laughs> it's, yeah, apparently. I mean, on the geologic scale, I suppose, and the history of time scale, um, five million years to grow a... So are plesiosaurs the giraffes of the... That's what it reminds me of. I was thinking of a giraffe. <laughs> Late Cretaceous period, I suppose. There you go. One species had 25 vertebrae, while some late Cretaceous plesiosaurs, again, plesiosaurs with themselves that they have a longer neck, um, such as Elasmosaurus, had as many as 72, and its neck was five times the length of its trunk. So it had less junk in its trunk and more in its frunk. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, everybody. <laughs> The animals originated in the early... I don't think early... you are. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm not. <laughs> I'm a plesiosaur today. <laughs> uh, oh, gosh. It's making me sore. The uh, animals originated in the early Triassic, four million years after the end Permian uh, mass extinction wiped out around 90% of Earth's species and during a time of rapid change, allowing the or following the disaster... Hey, you know, maybe that's what will happen again um, with climate change. Maybe there will be a, a mass die-off and I'll grow a new neck, a longer neck. No? I think that would be a little odd, but I'll okay. I'll be 5 million years old and an oldiosaur. <laughs> I'm going to go. Let's just move on. Oh. The next article is over on the Hedge Ideas channel. Owners of 100,000 properties held by foreign shell companies unknown despite new UK laws. Before I get into this article, I'm going to throw this article over into the chat. My bot has not thrown the title into the chat either. I'm getting upset with this bot. That's okay, though. We'll, we'll muddle through this. I'm not plesiosaured with this, the bot. It's an <laughs> external bot, too. It's not... It's not the one that I'm in control of directly. Um, anyway, so um, this is kind of an interesting thing because I have, when I, when I talk about some things, it makes it sound like I'm telling people what to do or how to think or whatever, but I'm really just talking about the news and then I'm espousing my particular view and uh, not really telling you that's how you personally should do it. Um, I would be probably pleased if I were to hear that somebody said, you know, that makes more sense than the way that I was thinking about this. Um, just like I'm sure other people would be pleased that I changed my way of thinking about certain things like, I don't know, stepping on the necks of subordinates so that I could get ahead, that kind of a thing, you know, but no, I, I won't do that. Um, that said, <clears throat> This article is about companies, shell companies that are owning property. And I have a problem with certain types of property being held by companies. More than two thirds of English and Welsh properties held by foreign shell companies do not report the identity of their owners, according to analysis that found significant flaws in laws meant to prevent oligarchs from hiding their wealth. But it's 
that right there is really it this is the creation of an oligarch um this is a creation of a caste system this is the creation of a haves versus have nots system because a regular joe can't create a shell company that can operate to maintain properties and mask who it is that owns them and i think that real property should be owned by human beings not by shell companies um, if they are ultimately owned by a person which all companies are ultimately owned by a person's or plurality of persons and ultimately every single company has an individual who is absolutely the controller of said company at some point if a company decides that they need to dissolve all of the interested parties are paid off and there's one person that signs the final documents calling for the dissolution of the product whatever the the uh, the company the entity and in some cases that person is ultimately liable for any outstanding burdens depending on the structure of the organization um but when you have a shell company it masks who ultimately is held accountable for said properties and it masks accountability in maintaining the properties controlling the the properties and who owns real estate and properties in a given country somewhere yeah and while, i mean that's both a concern of like how much ownership is foreign owned or whatever but there's also a concern i think depending and you were talking about this at the beginning like whatever the type of property is can dictate whether you want somebody to own it or not and so if you don't know the owner Who's betting for that? For instance, you might not want somebody buying up your country's agricultural land or right. uh, national security uh, adjacent land or whatever it is. Right. Yep. And that's actually something that's happening here in the United States where key industry or strategically advantaged uh, properties um, are being scooped up by unknown shell companies. And in a country where you know arguably freedom is one of the mainstays the the pillars of the society when you start leaning on well no we don't want certain things to take place then everything starts falling under the well you're being hypocritical because you're supposed to be the land of the free um, and all of that kind of stuff. But the problem is that it's exploitive. You know, you can exploit that freedom in an effort to be the harbinger of some farther down the line control or constraint. If a foreign entity scoops up the breadbasket of the United States, they aren't mandated in any way to produce food. So they can just shut it all down and barren earth the whole damn place. Right. I mean, and that, you know, you can't get it back, right? Uh, you can get it back, but then you're called the hypocrite again and all kinds of, you know, negative. It's used as a cannon fodder. It's used as sales pitches in regions. You can't that easily are, get it back. Yeah. They'll use it as marketing to radicalize people. Um, and while this sounds like it's conspiratorial, it's not. It absolutely is not. Um, 
if somebody wants to, they can own something that's strategically placed next to a military base. And this is one of the concerns that has actually crept up next to mili a military base here in the United States, where they don't know who the company is that has purchased a large amount of uh, territory. And all they have to do is prop up a listening device and surveil the, the area. So while it sounds conspiratorial, when you work in a certain industry, your objective is to look for these things so that you can stop them in their tracks. And talking about it publicly isn't as insane as a lot of people try to make it out to be. It's strategically advantageous to pay attention to what's going on in the world. And situational awareness can change the tide from an abusive system to one that is a little bit more on the same playing field, right? Everybody knows who everybody is. Everybody knows what everybody's going on about. Nobody's doing something in secret so that they get an advantage. But the people who do do this are typically extremely wealthy people who think that they're going to get screwed over because somebody is finding out that they're doing something except that that's exactly what the abusive person is doing. It's, it, it's gaslighting people. Well, I'm only doing this because I'm trying to keep my identity secret. So I'm not abused really, but you're using your capabilities to abuse the very structure of supply and demand. So, and I've seen this in various States around the country. Um, I, I've read about and heard about a mega corporation buying land and hiding it so that they can congeal it as a bunch of shell companies that are under the control of an umbrella corporation. You can't even get to the umbrella corporation, which is really dystopian because there is a science fiction umbrella corporation out there. Actually, there's an umbrella corporation out there that really does exist. But anyway... I think that it's really interesting that the UK once again <laughs> develops something that is to protect the regular person from what might be abusive tactics. Um, and I think that the US should follow suit. Let's go over to the source. Jasper Jolly is the author. Loopholes are used to obscure ownership of two-thirds of English and wealth properties held by foreign shell companies. <laughs> that's a shocking amount of... That's, I know, that statistic doesn't sound correct. The UK government hurriedly introduced a register of overseas entities in August of 2022 after Russia's invasion of Ukraine in February that year in an attempt to flush out corrupt elites laundering money through UK property. This is actually also happening in uh, Canada. Um, Chinese businesses and individuals are scooping up real estate in Canada. I don't know how much of that is happening in the United States, um, mainly because it's very difficult to obtain information like that. Right. Um, but I suspect it's pretty high, though. Yeah, when the government actually leans into it, then you know that there's a problem because they're paying attention to what to that. Um, Canada found out about it. The UK found out about it. I don't know what the U.S. government is doing in regards to this. 
Um, but I'm sure that there's one side, there's like a, almost a, <laughs> a 40% line that's like totally against looking, peeling back the first layer of the onion. Um, but they're also the same people that are poo-pooing the idea that, you know, senators and, and reps can do insider trading based on the information that they've been privy to both in reports and through their social connections, their political, socio-political connections, feeding information in a non-formal way, right? If, if somebody from, um, you know, Goldman Sachs or Citibank or whatever decided to tell me that I should really buy stock, it would be insider trading. Even if they were just a numbnuts, you know, on the front line of city, I would have to treat it as insider trading because when it does manifest and I bought stock, that thing would trigger an audit so fast it would make my head spin. But if you're a millionaire or a billionaire, oh, well, you know, I just have, you know, information, you know, that's just how it works. No dumbass. You're... Does that voice go with that character? <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes. Maybe. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Anyway, the UK government hardly introduced this because uh, Russian elites or corrupt elites or just elites were laundering and purchasing. They were exfiltrating wealth from one country, purchasing property in another. Then they could sell that property at any time and it would actually be washed because... It, you wouldn't have right, the direct it's an connection. English transaction or whatever Correct. instead of a fill in the blank country. And it, then it stays in country until they want to trade it as some fiduciary instrument to some other country. Um, but hardly ever coming back. Not until the ruble starts to climb again, considering it's at an all time low. They're not going to do that. But they save their wealth by exfiltrating it before the collapse. Um. In, in more stable economies, then the money stays more stable unless something weird happens like, oh, I don't know, a massive pandemic and massive spending year after year since 2001, only to be recovered by some political leadership and then be squandered again by knock on following the stability efforts of one government aligned organization. Am I not making any sense here? I'm basically saying that the polarity in like US government is we recover and then somebody else spends the entire kitty. Oh and nice. then some. So now we have massive inflation, but people aren't counting it as inflation. They're saying, oh, you know, the inflation is going up. But this is all part of the whole machinations that the regular Joe isn't capable of handling. You cannot survive this, but the ultra rich can buy properties in England and Wales, Canada, the U S stabilizing their wealth. But the normal person can't sit there and go and buy a $500,000 house in the UK countryside at any point. <laughs> Um, anyway, corruption watchdogs and MPs have long warned that the lack of information on the true owners of the 152,000 properties owned by overseas entities made the UK, and particularly London, an attractive haven for proceeds of crime and corruption. 
The lack of information also makes it harder to freeze assets if a person is placed under sanctions. It's because it's under some nebulous ghost company. The analysis found that trusts were used to hold property in 63% of those with obscured overseas ownership. Trusts allow one person to hold property for the benefit of another, often a family member, but they can also conceal ownership because they don't have a registered pub, uh, they don't have to be registered publicly in the same way as companies. So a trust is basically a privately held entity that doesn't perform any business. It just maintains assets. Right, um, but it's kind of convenient if you're doing, I'm not saying everybody who has a trust is doing something illegal or whatever, right. but it's a great way if you're doing business and you don't want to be very public about it. Correct. And while there may be altruistic trusts out there where people are writing checks on behalf of somebody else and trying to maintain some low profile, you know, <laughs> peeling back the layer of the onion allows somebody to find out if they're buying a microwave for somebody in need or if they're buying $2 million properties to hide Russian assets that are being exfiltrated from a country that is invading another country. I guess that's just me talking about this. Okay. Well, anyway, let's, uh, let's go on to the next because Ra rocket raccoon is causing problems over in Belgium. This uh, article's over in the mobile channel. Belgium struggles with spread of invasive raccoons. By the way, these are freedom raccoons. You know what that means? Are they from the U.S.? The uh, North American species. Yeah. Yeah. Have we noticed a theme with like the displaced wild animals lately? It's kind of weird, huh? Because there's going to be another one later on. Exactly. Yeah. So we have like flamingos from the Caribbean in Florida. We had the Greenland sharks. Greenland sharks. That's right. So, so we're down in Belize instead of the Arctic. I what is going on? It's like somebody took the planet. Cats and dogs. <laughs> yeah, somebody took the the planet like a snow globe and just shook it up, and then everything's falling wherever. Or, hear me out. All of the multiverse is blinking in various locations. And so we end up with invasive raccoons. Oh, granted, it's taken a long time. But anyway, let's go over to the source itself. And Loray, I don't know if that's their last name, Mondesert. Mondesert? Is that how you pronounce that? Sounds like a very French name. Mondesay? I'm not sure. I'm really sorry, uh, Anne Marie, or Anne Loray. Send me an email, Mayor. I don't when you're apologizing to somebody about their name, you don't want to mess I mean, up their it, name uh, while you're apologizing about uh, it. No, it's about me being a you know just a stupid host who can't pronounce somebody's name. And I'll correct it though if you let me know. Um, anyway, fizz.org is the source. The AI is actually throwing error messages at me, like no, 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 just stop, go. Uh, do something else. Move on. Abort. Pull the ripcord. Run away. <laughs> Attempt it and move on. <laughs> okay. 
and I'll try to be more straight-laced about it. Um, authorities admit it's too late for any cull to eradicate the entire population of more than 50,000 that have made it home in the forested hills of southern Belgium. So Belgium may just have to live with the new arrivals while battling to control their numbers and protect vulnerable local fauna from being eaten or catching diseases. Those damn American raccoons. They're supposed to be guardians of the galaxy, not violators of exactly. Belgian forest. Uh, it says we can't now respond to all the requests, uh, says Petit. A uh, ranger in the Barrier Matthew Woods near Tenneville. Jeez, I'm probably, I should probably go back to high school and learn some French. Um, we can't, can't come out and... If it's just someone reporting raccoons in their garden, we'll reduce the population where it poses a threat to the black stork or the sand marten and where we can really protect the habitat. So, yeah, trash panda. There we go. Native to the North, to uh, the North America. Native to the North America? Maybe North Americas? Uh, I'm not sure. Uh, while the North agile... American continent? <laughs> yeah. Okay. Uh, while the agile omnivore has adapted to suburban life and earned the dubious nickname Trash Panda. <clears throat> that was my band name. <laughs> um, raccoons invaded Belgium in an east-west pincer move. <laughs> <laughs> they pulled a tenant. I didn't know they were this coordinated, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty That's funny. a riot. This is in a fizz.org article, too. It is, yeah. Uh, one group spread from Germany where they had been introduced from the Americas in the 1930s under Nazi rule as a game animal for hunters and as a source of fur. Another population arrived from France where they had established a population in 1960s around a U.S. air base in the... Have you pronounced that? A sane or... I'm not sure. Okay, well, anyway, region. After American airmen released animals brought over as mascots. Dumbass. <laughs> George, why do you have a raccoon? Never mind. They named it Rocket. And oh, it turned into a guardian okay. of the galaxy. I have no idea. Anyway, uh, they've also benefited from a series of mild winters. So they're sitting there populating the various areas. Now taking over... Belgium you, they should just set up a bounty and then allow people to go out and cleanse the Belgian countryside maybe they could have a raccoon sanctuary come on now they're an invasive species they're not supposed to be here and in all honesty I think that it, it it's it would be great if we could all just get along but nature doesn't care about getting along. They will wipe out other species yeah. that are native to the country and you can't get that back, but you can get more trash pandas on demand. Just come on over to the U S that's why, <laughs> that's why countries like New Zealand and, and uh, Australia are so adamant about controlling pet populations from foreign visitors um, and other being bringing any other spe any other species into the country um is largely verboten um i guess i shouldn't bring germany into this but anyway um 
So, yeah, I think that this is really interesting, but um, they need to be a little bit more overt about stopping them. Um, much to, you know, animal lover chagrin, they need to be removed wholesale. Fine, scoop them up and airdrop them into the U.S. Everything else is flying over the U.S., and All put right. them on some of those weather balloons. That's right. A surveillance raccoon. The next article is over in Hometown Daily. The U.S. government is investing $22 million in, into developing surveillance clothing. That includes shirts, pants, and underwear that can record video and audio. This um. is just, this is cannon fodder for the wingnut side of things. Well... Okay, so I'm trying to figure out the underwear piece. So, like, I could see on a shirt or on some pants, right, on the exterior of it. Sure. But the underwear? Well, sometimes you have to surveil in a clandestine operation where all you are is in your skivvies. And there you have it. Underwear. <laughs> Underwear camera. You know this will get abused, but anyway, the point of this is actually for clandestine operations, surveillance operations. In, but I know that there's some wingnut out there that's going to be sitting there going, the U.S. wants to spy on me and they're going to put it in my underwear. No, <laughs> dumbass. <laughs> Believe me, nobody wants to get into your underwear. I think they're giving themselves too much credit. Like, yeah. be capable of surveilling people. The only time anybody has ended up on any government watch list is when they invaded the Capitol on January 6th. That's the fastest way. You know, say you're going to do something on a plane. That's a pretty fast way. The government really doesn't care about anybody unless they try to, I don't know, overthrow like the... Threaten the government. <laughs> overthrow yeah. democracy, for crying out loud. Federal government has a $22 million surveillance clothing program. They call it surveillance program, but it's not the program like what took place insinuating government listening devices into the communication systems of the nation. It isn't to surveil everybody mass surveillance. It isn't part of the NSA data center in Utah. It, this is a, 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 a system and, and means a process of developing clothing so that operatives can wear this stuff and it isn't detectable and can be used, washed, treated as normal and doesn't get occluded by other things, right? So nowadays you have to have this big old gadget on your chest or something that's super glued to a helmet and you look like a dumbass. Um, but this is... So that you can just put on clothes and everything functions. What's really funny about this is they're like, oh, this is a 48 month. It's like a four year grant opportunity or something like that. And they've named some companies and I'm sitting there going, I could probably do this right now. <laughs> I could build a prototype right now with a pair of jeans um, because I've got pretty much everything that would be needed. You know, I can make a little tiny camera. I can run a, a thin film battery um, to some other location on the same pair of pants or shirt. 
um, and I can sew using wires, conductive thread, um, to facilitate this and, uh, you know, put two, snap two buttons together and it activates it or whatever. You probably wouldn't want two buttons, um, because you just want it on or off surveil or not. But anyway, seems to me that I could probably build this right now. Um, so Lakshmi Varanasi over at Business Insider uh, put the article together, the federal government. It has a picture. It's from Getty Images and has nothing to do with the actual material at hand. But um, the federal government is investing $22 million in developing washable smart clothing like socks, underwear, shirts, pants, etc. It's pretty much anything. Like I could embed a m microphone into a pair of socks. And the only problem here, though, is... Uh, a metal detector would set it off. Um, you'd need something pretty exotic to conduct electricity, store material, etc., store a charge and activate a listening device. It'll have metal in it. Socks typically don't have metal in it. So if you're doing something clandestine and there's somebody that's ultra paranoid, you're... that might not work out too well. Yeah, you're pretty screwed either way. You got to do something a little bit more exotic, like having children gift something that's supposed to hang on the wall of a political office so that a listening device can be tapped into remotely. And for it has, decades. Yeah, for decades. Until somebody goes, huh, this thing's rattling. <laughs> I, <laughs> I don't remember how they found that listening device. What was it? I don't remember. I know that it was a big um i like can't remember placard. how it got uncovered i feel like it was because of the specific um intelligence that was released or something oh really but i thought I, somebody I dropped it i can't remember and it like oh, chipped so. and i don't know anymore i'll have to look for it but anyway this article over at business insider says wearable technology is quickly evolving beyond fitbits apple watches and aura rings but this is again clandestine this is not this isn't for regular joes um, the program represents the largest single investment to develop active smart textiles, AST, that feel, move, and function like any other garment. It's part of the, the DNI, uh, the Director of National Intelligence. I'm not kidding. They actually call it Smarty Pants. <laughs> Is being developed under the Intelligence Advanced Research Projects uh, activity or the IARPA, which is part of DARPA. DARPA is the source of the funding that went into spawning things that you use every day, like, oh, I don't know, Google. <laughs> <laughs> Google was a DARPA project, folks. Um, so if you're really upset about things that the government funds, then you're going to have to delete your account over at Google. So Time to move on. DARPA does a lot of grant writing and so or grant fulfillment, and so does ARPA. Um, internet, anyone? Anyway, um, in other words, funding moonshots like underwear that's uh, uh, as stretchable and washable as normal underwear, but can also record your every move, is part of basically ARPA, DARPA, the government, etc., and agencies that you've never even heard of uh, because they don't sit there and talk about it um if you find out about it from an agency that people formerly didn't know existed then somebody made a huge mistake 
Anyway, DOD, uh, DHS, everybody's involved. But uh, this uh, Dr. Dawson Cagle, who was previously a weapons instructor with the United Nation, uh, according to his LinkedIn page, said in the that's probably the most explosive link that you could. Oh, my God, they were a weapons instructor for the United Nation. <gasps> that's so inflammatory. You know, why not just say they were part of the United they Nation with the UN or something? Yeah. yeah. Um, said in an I ARPA uh, release, quote, as a for well, shit. The very next line kind of invalidates what I'm saying. Um, as a former weapons inspector, inspector, this says instructor. Maybe huh. they did both. Yeah, I don't know. Um, but it says weapons inspector myself. You don't have to be an instructor with the UN to do inspections. Um, you just have to know what looks like a weapon. Um I know how much hand-carried electronics can interfere with my situational awareness at inspection sites. Um, he added, in unknown environments, I'd rather have my hands free to grab ladders and handrails more firmly and keep from hitting my head on uh, than holding some device. But this is not how it works anymore. You have chest cameras. You have cameras. You can put glasses on that have a camera built into them. Um, that can get knocked off. But... Clothing can be occluded. You can block clothing with the wrong shirt um, draping over a camera that might be even embedded in the clothing itself. So, I don't know. And people who design this type of material will figure out how it's supposed to all work. But I think it was really funny. I had to include it because it says, now suppose smarty pants detects a chemical on your skin. Imagine where that can lead. Well, I can imagine a lot of stuff, but yeah. I well, don't... so can the general public, <laughs> like you were saying. Somebody's going to see this and go, what are they doing? Yeah. It's, it's going to be a thing. So... We'll, we'll come back and, and talk about this when something actually comes out of it. I actually followed the link um, that's in this article to the, um, not the, the website. SmartyPants.com? Yeah, really. No, it was uh, this link right here to the DNI.gov website where they talk about it more. Um, and um, it, it actually lists some of the companies that are already invested in this. So I could... I could handle two million. I could develop something um, for two million. Easy mode. Yep. Let's keep on going. Next articles over in Technology Today. Fourteen upcoming video games you probably haven't heard of. Does this sound like a PC gamer link? Yes. Or. Uh, RPG or RP gamer. Yeah, it right? sounds like one of those. Yes. Yeah, it's not. It's from the Guardian. Yeah, blew me That's away. It's different. And wait for it. Uh, this is from Kiza McDonald and Tom Regan over at the Guardian um, in a section called Games. And uh, it says 14 upcoming video games you probably haven't heard of. It has a deck statement that says sick of space shooting and samey franchises. Find something to grab, uh, grab you in our critics selection. 
of the strangest, most interesting forthcoming video games we played at this year's Gamescom. Now wait for it. Tell me what this looks like. That looks like PC Gamer to me. Yes, it does, doesn't it? Like a lot. <laughs> like, like identical. It. it has the same exact information. It links to a video and even has a little blurb for each one of the videos. I wonder if PC Gamer has a um, tie-in with, like, maybe they these? feed articles to uh, The Guardian or something, or yeah. vice versa. Yeah, that's really interesting, right? Like, maybe these two play over at PC Gamer as well? Really interesting. This Sorry. looks really similar to it. Yeah, it does. And when I first looked at it, I was like, well, wait a minute. It's a conspiracy. Oh, my God. Anyway, Plucky Squire... Um, is one of the games set in the colorful confines of a children's picture book. This playful action platformer sees you adventuring from a top-down 2D perspective. Top-down 2D perspective. You know, isometric. Um, before leaping out of the pages and into your uh, its owner's 3D bedroom. Even in the short demo, Plucky Squire's gameplay ideas bound in and out of focus with a Mario-esque level of invention. Seems like a fun game. There are links to this um, in the article. So let me throw that over to you in the chat. You can go and check it out. It'll be in the show notes. Um, Paper Trail is another one for PC, Nintendo, and Switch. Its release date is 2024. The other one, is Plucky Squire, is 2024 as well. Um, it might be over in um, Steam Early Access. Oh, it's a PS5 game. And PC, and Xbox, and Nintendo Switch. Huh. It's from the PlayStation uh, YouTube channel, though. Okay, whatever. Um, this one I've actually heard of, aka Axolotl. So, aka Zolotl. Axolotl. You're an Axolotl. And you're, you have a gun. So, Cute Marine Creature with Big Guns is a video game concept that you would imagine has arisen at plenty of, of game jams, but developer Too Awesome, which I agree is an apropos name for this, um, has really run with it here, creating a, a game called AK Zolotl, or Axolotl. Axolotl is pissed, and he wants revenge. Anyway, uh, The Many Pieces of Mr. Koo, that's coming out, well... September 7th, so later this week, supposedly. Surreal and rather morbid Spanish point-and-click adventure game whose hand-drawn animation reminds the author of, or authors, of the adverts they saw on European TV in the holiday in the 90s. So that might be weird. Uh, Headbangers Rhythm Royale, Tiny Bookshop. Tiny Bookshop is a very peaceful-looking affair in which you run a bookshop out of a little caravan in a seaside town. I swear we've either talked about this... Oh, no. Yeah, that one looks familiar. You know why it's familiar? It's because of the... Um, there were two articles that we talked about. One was a baseball player who wanted to bring a little trailer to all of the sports events to sell coffee. That's right. That's right. And it had that kind of a little you know, mm -hmm. tiny Aesthetic. house feel. And then there was another one that was about um, a books or mobile bookstore in uh, like a tiny house setting. Um, but it was oh, okay. early, 
early in 2022 when I first started streaming. Um, okay, so uh, then Little Nightmares 3. This is actually a very well-known franchise. And um, I love the graphics, but it's creepy. Uh, Power Wash Simulator VR. Can't wait for that. Um, it says later this year. I, I already have Power Wash Simulator, but Power Wash Simulator VR um, will allow me to use my uh, VR surveillance device to play Power Wash Simulator. Sorry, I, I have to throw that in there. A little snarky. Uh, Dead Pets Unleashed. Well, Xbox boss... Phil Spencer and game director Todd Howard proudly show off space epic Starfield to a throng of journalists. The author is standing in a corner of the Xbox booth, quietly scrubbing a moldy toy. Uh, when uh, this is the first mini game they encounter in Triple Topping's provocative punk adventure, Dead Pets Unleashed stands out from the twee platformers and party games. This is what seemingly is an adult game <laughs> return return to moria comes out in october still wakes the deep thank goodness you're here back to the dawn these are all games that are coming out like a dragon uh, gaiden the man who erased his name that is a big franchise and that's all of them but to get more out of this, you're going to have to follow the link because I did not read all of the content from these games. So off you go. Um, let's keep on going. The next article is over in hometown daily icebreaker travels 2000 miles to rescue six scientists stuck in Antarctica. I bet you uh, don't think of that when you go to Antarctica. Or maybe you do. <laughs> you know, I've actually heard of a scientist in Antarctica that was giving themselves chemo. Oh, wow. Yeah. I mean, that sounds ridiculous, but I guess given the location, that probably makes sense. Yeah, pretty wild. Um, it's the earliest we've ever gone to Atlantic. Uh, Atlantic. It's the earliest we've ever gone to an Ar Antarctic station. Rob Clifton of the Australian Antarctic Division said of the icebreaker ship rescue mission uh, the articles over at newsweek.com um, jess thompson is the author uh t-h-o-m-s-o-n no p in there whenever i say thompson i think that i'm saying thompson maybe it's just my inflection i don't, I don't know. think i normally see it without a p yeah that's why i just wanted to make it clear that it's thompson T-H-O-M-S-O-N. Sorry for <laughs> focusing on this. For the first time in, I think, all of the articles that we have done involving Newsweek, the video is actually on target. Icebreaker travels right. 2,000 miles. Unusual. Oh, it's just slides. It's not an actual video. Anyway, um, air evacuation wasn't possible, so they actually sent an icebreaker out to get them. Um, successfully boarded the icebreaker ship RSV. I missed it. <laughs> That's not the name of it. New Yina. New Yina. That's awesome, man. 
you know, nowadays is probably the only time that I would like to be on an icebreaker. Um, but people did that on wooden ships from Europe and from various places around the world through ice like that. And sometimes they got frozen in place um, and had to be rescued by other people. Um, there was just a ship discover, rediscovered after um, treasure hunters uh, located and historians uh, relocated it. Uh, the, the captain and the crew of that particular ship were saved um, by other ships um, on an, like an island or something like that and eventually oh, wow. made it home. Um, but there was a whole, there's a whole story about it. So uh, maybe I can find it and we can talk about it if people are interested. Just throw it in chat and uh, we'll talk about it the next time. Um, or send an email to maradometown.com. So um, yeah, the, there's the ship, I guess. No, this is a stock image of a Russian icebreaker, I swear. Not we all got fooled by the first. Uh, yeah, lulled me into a false sense of security, and then. Doesn't it look like the same ship from the video, though? It is. That ship right there, is not the ship from. It's not the one that, was sent. <laughs> right. No, this is a Russian one. Maybe they all look like that? I don't know. No, come on. Because it looks just like the video. No, I refuse to believe it. Anyway, I scrolled through this whole article. Uh, the expeditioner will be looked after, and then New Yuna's uh, special, specially equipped and designed medical facility by their polar medicine doctors and Royal Hobart uh, Hospital medical staff, Clifton said, Getting this expeditioner back to Tasmania for the specialist medical care required is our priority. And the ship is due back in Tasmania next week. Ocean weather conditions depending. So there you go. Pretty amazing. Only between 15 and 20 people live at the Casey Research Station during the winter, during which temperatures can plunge to around negative 35 degrees Fahrenheit during the winter. Casey only experiences a few hours of daylight every day. Wow. That's pretty brutal conditions. And even in modern times, like I really can't imagine being on an earlier expedition to the Antarctic. Yeah. It's an Australian um, ship, I believe. Isn't it? Yeah, I think so. <laughs> yeah. Yep, yep. Okay, well, then why have all of the Russian pictures? It isn't even really representative because it's not like every single icebreaker looks like that. You know, oh, you want an icebreaker? This is your model. This is the only model. Oh, I'd rather have it with a uh, a blue deck. No. Different color. No, no, no. <laughs> and for those in the podcast, both it's... the ones we see, regardless of which ones they are they're both orange with black yeah we're moving on i'm becoming irate um the uh i'm gonna do asmr just to distract <laughs> um the next article is over in the greengram channel um the author of this and i can't say it the way they say it because i don't want anybody to misconstrue that it's not me but the title is verbatim I ski for miles in the wilderness to measure dust atop snow. A <laughs> snow hydrologist 
<laughs> Phrases Doesn't you never think like you'd... a made up job. <laughs> With no offense to snow hydrologists out there. Mackenzie Skiles or Skiles? Skiles? Skiles. I'm going to say Skiles. Anyway, to her skis. Wow. Snow hydrologist Mackenzie Skiles takes to her skis in rural parts of the United States each spring to track dust's impact on water resources. I want to say something, but I don't want to dox myself. So I'll, I'll have to. I'll have to go and talk about this later, but just remind me. Um, so yeah, Virginia Gowen over or Gowen over at um, nature.com put this article together. It looks like they have a GPS tracker strapped to their back. Either that or a really, really large fascinator. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, so what you're missing if you're not, watching the stream or over in the uh, YouTube is a, a picture um, of Mackenzie Skiles. It Sorry. does look like quite the fascinator. Yeah, it's fascinating. <laughs> I'm sorry. Uh, no. Anyway, um, so uh, last month they published research that demonstrated how dust from the exposed Great Salt Lake bed falls in the Wasatch Mountains of Utah. Since 2009, they have spent every March through May skiing to remote sites in Utah and Colorado where they monitor how the dust layers evolve. They usually have to ski several kilometers carrying a 27-kilogram pack with a shovel to dig a snow pit, tools to cut snow wedges, and measure their density and containers to collect snow samples for analysis. One year, they hit a dusty patch of snow, broke a ski, and sliced open their leg. Uh, I right. mean, I wouldn't have thought being a snow hydrologist was necessarily dangerous. Hey, man, it's a full contact sport. Sometimes you eat the dust, or you bite the dust, and sometimes the dust bites you. <laughs> well, you go get him, Mackenzie. Go kick that snow's ass. Next article's over in Smack Talk. Thief decides iPhone is worth more than dentistry and chews through security cable. <laughs> that's a new one. That's that's why I titled this one Gnawing Desire for iPhone. Uh, a woman in China balked at the price tag on an iPhone 14 Plus and biting through the anti-theft cable stole one from an is she Jaws from Moonraker for crying out loud? She clipped well, through right. a, like who can chew through that? Is it, well, it depends on who manufactured it, I suppose. Uh, I'll leave that one alone. The author is uh, William Gallagher over at AppleInsider.com. I I don't. Those cables are usually twisted steel cables, unless this one was made out of what balsa Maybe wood or this something. This was lighter. <laughs> it was just made out of good intentions. Um, it's uncommon for iPhones to be stolen from stores and it's not unknown for thieves to injure themselves in the process, but it's much more rare, though not unheard of, for a thief to need dental surgery as well as a lawyer. <laughs> All right. 
but not unheard of. I want to click this link so bad. I know. Clearly, this has happened before. Oh, it has. Police arrest gang who stole iPhones from Madrid Apple Store by chewing security cables. That's the title what? of this article's <laughs> link. Oh, my goodness. What? I wonder if that was the impetus for this incident. <laughs> what? Okay, hold on. I need to throw some links into the chat so that we don't lose track. Um, here's the McKenzie uh, snow scientist. And here's the thief chewing cable. <laughs> um, so, yeah, apparently a woman with the surname Key uh, managed to escape undetected from an unnamed store. There is an Apple Tahoe Plaza in the region, but it's not clear whether it was this or a third party store that was robbed. It was after Q or Qui um, had left the store that staff noticed the remains of the chewed off cable and that her uh, that an iPhone was missing. Within 30 minutes, security footage led police to arrest Qui outside her home. Well, Do you think they took dental impressions? No, the massive surveillance state led right to them. Plus, those tiny little cables wouldn't have enough bite on them, you know. To... <laughs> I'm picturing, like, teeth marks on my cable. But... I was hungry. Uh, um, so, according to police officer Zhang Jinong, he spent some time wandering around the store in order to look as if she were simply browsing. Then she bit at the cable, moved on to chewing through it before heading out of the store with the iPhone. Um, Oddly. What was the store staff doing while she was sitting there chewing the cable? Eating a cheeseburger somewhere? I don't know. <laughs> That's what made her hungry, and she just had this gnawing desire for an iPhone. I'm sorry. Let's just keep going. Yeah. So uh, the next article is over in Omtown Daily. Uh, alligators mysteriously appear in Pennsylvania River. I thought this one was interesting because we are seeing more and more animals just like appearing <laughs> in very far-flung <laughs> places. So just so the world knows, Pennsylvania rivers are not prone to have alligators. Nor are any states in their proximity, as far as I know. As far as I know, uh, several alligators have been spotted in the Kiski River, despite not being native to the area. So the article um, is over at Newsweek. Robin White is the author. There's another uh, oddly on-target video, but I don't believe that it's actually true. I, this just looks like... You know, it just looks like uh, like stock footage of right. an alligator, but it has information related to it. So I think that this isn't really Pennsylvania. I don't think these are the alligators. But anyway, Chomper is a four foot long uh, alligator. And now there are others, apparently, um, that are re being reported by kayakers. And at least one set of kayakers approached it because that's human survival instincts right there. Um, <laughs> you just stay the hell away from an alligator and report it so that experts 
can go and do something about it because those things will clamp down on you and take you under and roll you around until you're gone. So don't be dumb. Treat them as wild animals. They deserve the respect from a human. You're resting on top of their territorial waters that they are very capable of navigating while you just thrash around hoping that you don't get bit again. Anyway, they got excited and paddled around to get a better picture of it says one of the kayakers i'm not even gonna name them we were kayaking and saw an animal and thought it was a muskrat but realized it was an alligator i always mistake the two they're so close looking together muskrat alligator eh. they're not yeah i don't they're... know what a muskrat <laughs> looks like but i'm assuming by the name it has nothing to do with a, an alligator. it's not an alligator so they definitely think someone released their poor pets into the river feel bad for the guy mitchell told the news outlet alligators preferred habit is freshwater rivers they are native to florida louisiana georgia alabama mississippi the carolinas texas oklahoma and arkansas however they are certainly not native to pennsylvania unless of course but uh, realities are merging and <laughs> we're in the multiverse we are we are in the nexus of the multiverse um and i i think it's because the cubs won um way back anyway um it's not certain how the alligators got there but trib live reported that chomper had likely been placed in the river by someone on purpose it's likely the same case with the other alligators now if these are capable of breeding there aren't going to be any predators in the area so these might become the pennsylvania right. raccoons exactly or the greenland sharks and belize oh there's no, that's the, only um, one. Oh, or the um although there is the flamingos which are now as far as ohio i oh. read separately after we did the show really oh wow so they actually got blown that far wow that's quite the flight that's some tremendous hang time <laughs> That's pretty awesome. Wow. So flamingos in Ohio. Got it. Raccoons in Belgium. Got it. Radioactive pigs in Germany. Boars. Oh, yes. Pigs, that's boars. right. Um, and, and now alligators in Pennsylvania. What other translocated stuff? So that, that well, I don't shark. know. This was translocated, but we saw the extremely large octopus colony. Oh, right. Yeah. That's a natural they were the phenomenon. right habitat, but just tons of them. Yeah, that's the right na that's the uh, native habitat. Um, that's kind of interesting. Hmm. Yeah, the things we don't know. I'm telling you, temporology is a new area that everybody should be researching. These are time travel events merging from alternate. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna just. Yeah, it makes that. about as much sense as any other theory alligators in Pennsylvania. Yeah let's keep going the next article is over in hometown daily do you want these nuts or these nuts the confusion is part of the problem a company suing mr beast food brand says in a lawsuit this is like mr beast is having a rough time with his food brands yeah he's a beast though he's making a ton of money out there but when you get big enough and you start trampling on other people um even though he's you know this good-natured person um and just doing his thing 
there's other people that are doing their thing. And when, when you run afoul of something like a trademark, well, you, you either discuss it and somebody flinches or you litigate. Um, and then the court decides, um, so this article is over at businessinsider.com. Lloyd Lee is the author. And uh, it says the name of one of the of the Feastables products is named D's Nuts. D-E-E-D-E-E-Z Nuts. It's a whole meme riff kind of a thing. Um, the company says Feastables is using uh, a name that is confu- confusingly similar to D's Nuts. D-E-E apostrophe S Nuts. Hate to break it to them. It, here, okay, it's so confusingly here's, similar. It's confusing. No question. <laughs> Even the Feastables thing um, is confusingly similar to Lunchables. Um, because when I first heard about Feastables, I thought it was bigger versions of Lunchables. Oh, wow. I haven't um, heard of Feastables, but I can see that. Yeah, and it's his brand, Feastables. And you... I can guarantee you it's a riff off of Lunchables. You know, hey, I really like, I'm pretty sure that you'd be able to find in his various interviews where he said that he grew up on Lunchables or really liked Lunchables or whatever. um, And it's a riff off of it, which in and of itself isn't a problem. But if Lunchables like broke into that, a larger set and wanted to call them Feastables, or a feastable starts trying to expand into like lunch items, yeah. not just snacks or whatever. Yeah. So I can see that coming. Um, but it says here, uh, a peanut company is demanding that Mr. Beast candy brand keep these nuts out of its mouth. <laughs> Sorry, that's a really funny opening line. When Brian DeTore found out, I uh, founded uh, flavored peanut company D's Nuts more than a decade ago he hoped to pay homage to his grandmother Adeline D'Amore I guess went by D um, her laughter and belief that life should not be taken too seriously inspired Brian A. DeTore to select a trademark that paid homage to her and her comedic flair hence D's Nuts was created actually I'd like to look at the etymology of the 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 phrase the meme these nuts to see what its actual origin is the only the big deal about that what if though, it actually came from these nuts i doubt it but right it yeah. could have though did the meme come and then these nuts was formed or did these nuts form from somebody having these i nuts? think that the company existed that was more than a decade ago time flies on the internet i know i know um, so on August 25th, these nuts filed a lawsuit against Mr. Beast's Feastables, accusing the brand of trademark infringement by naming one of its chocolate flavors, these nuts. It is confusingly similar. Um, well, one out of one sentient AIs and one out of one mayors of hometown agree that these nuts and these nuts are confu- confusingly similar. The only difference Actually, no, there is no difference. I, I could not equate one from another. If I walked up to somebody and said, hey, do you want, you know, a, <laughs> do you want these nuts? <laughs> oh, God. Right. The person wouldn't know which brand. 
Well, they would know which brand, but it's the one that they're more aligned with. So they're either going to hand me Mr. Beast Feastables or they're going to and True, but in two stores, you'd get totally different results, correct. which just kind of proves the point, right? Yep, that it's confusingly similar. So um, now the thing about it is which one is actually more notorious? Which one is more well-known? And, and that is only really representative of which one is, has the potential of damaging the other more, right? So is it easier to sell Mr. Beast's Feastables because his brand is tied to his name and all he has to do is tell his millions of followers go buy and they'll go and buy. Um, but D's Nuts, which is the the originator of the phrase D's nuts, right? Or I should say the original 10 year old candy company. Um, they've been trading on their goodwill, their own generated goodwill and marketing and product for 10 years. Feastables made over 10 million in sales in May or by May, 2022. The peanut company states in the lawsuit that it first learned that Feastables was using the D's Nuts name in February and promptly sent a cease and desist letter to Feasible, uh, Feastables attorneys. The attorneys responded that Feastables will continue using the name, which is just bad advice. <laughs> I, I would not have said it that way. Um, <clears throat> but I, I agree so with... Go ahead. Well, this is very interesting. So I think... The company that's suing doesn't have a real online presence. Um, of course, when I searched, it said on Google that I want the other one, which was Mr. Beast Company. Mm -hmm. But I couldn't find when um, the other company started. The meme has been around since the 90s. Uh, excuse me, the term has been around since the 90s. It got a lot more traction, though, in the last say yeah, 10 years because the internet yeah mm -hmm. um so there you have it you know this could be a case that these nuts is a riff off of the name and because he thought that the creator of the company thought that these nuts was in line with grandma's humor and grandma's humor was aligned with the meme these nuts from 20 years ago you know he created the company but he's right, trading on the meat. we can't tell enough from the article and the trademark i did find was from 2012 but right 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 that's so. interesting because it does predate kind of the the current popularity of the other term yeah. yeah but here's the thing about trademarks it's used in commerce and it's used consistently in commerce it's first past the mark, not the most notorious, unless you can prove earlier use. So I would say that the attorneys that said we're going to keep using it basically pulled the ripcord on a lawsuit and said, well, maybe we can outlast these nuts, the, the company that has the trademark, because we have so much money, we can withstand the, the you know, IP burden. You know, IP lawsuits are very, very expensive. Um, and this one actually stands to have a popularity, public popularity element, you know. Oh, my God, they're going after Mr. Beast, you know, light him up. 
that kind of a thing. Yeah, but oh my God, Mr. Beast is caught, right? What's the optics on the other? Mr. Beast is causing some yeah. long-term company, small business, you know? Yeah. Well, I mean, it was created by, uh, I'm pretty sure, you know, that the names were created by consensus within the people that were advising Mr. Beast. Mr. Beast thought it was cool, but somebody missed the mark on looking for precariously close trade names. He may not have a trademark uh, arm and maybe he needs to have one. <laughs> right. Hey, Mr. Beast, I'm available to do your basic searches for you, you know. Um, one of the earliest instances of the phrase D's nuts was popularized by hip hop artist and producer, Dr. Dre, after he released his first studio album, the chronic, the sixth track on the album is called D's nuts. The phrase re-entered the mainstream in recent years when it became an internet meme. And after a 15 year Iowa teen, 15 year old Iowa teenager launched a 2016 presidential campaign under the name D's nuts. So, hate to break it to everybody. Um, it's A, not original, but somebody's trading off of the meme from years ago, decades ago, really. Um, but that doesn't change the nature of a trademark. It's first in business and utilized publicly. Um, and the political campaign doesn't have a bearing on this in and of all. itself on yeah. the food use so i mean so far it looks like the original food company is going to be the one who's going to win out here yeah so i get i would probably i would recommend that mr beast just settle this and change the name um in fact the, he has a chance right now to settle it without any cost burden other than bowing out of selling these nuts we just trade change the mark just free label it it's not even a brand i don't think it's just a product name it's a product name yeah um it's still feastables but it's a flavor called these nuts exactly which so, would be very easy to change yeah just re-sleeve everything send all of the retail places a, a a bunch of stickers to slap on the front and rebrand it until it's all off the shelves it's just it's silly to push it this hard i would not go into a lawsuit where it's this obvious Unless, unless, um, Mr. B says to the other company, Hey, we'll buy the mark off of you because you can have it reassigned. Right. So, yeah, it's kind of silly. I would not, this is not the hill that I would die on. Let's keep going. Uh, the next article is over in the mobile channel. Wait. Are you a doctor? Truth in advertising, and this says in medicine, but I think this should be expanded to everything. Um, the next article is over at The Hill. Uh, Jules Lipoff is an opinion contributor, so this isn't something that is directly from The Hill. It's just something published by The Hill. Um, they make it a, uh, abundantly clear in... Oh, you know what? They make it abundantly clear in the um, article that this is not something directly from the hill. So the reason why I say that this should be expanded to everything is because there are other countries, other regions that put much more um, claim on a title. As in, you can't call yourself a doctor unless you're a doctor. Not even jokingly, you cannot say that you're a doctor, doctor of this, doctor of that, unless you're an actual doctor. You can't say you're an engineer unless you are a, 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 an engineer. 
Um, and you have certifications that mark you as an engineer. Same thing with a lawyer. You can't pretend to be a lawyer in the United States unless you have a JD. Um, and, uh, well, you can say that you're a JD, a jurist doctor, but you can't say you're an attorney unless you pass the bar. Um, so there are things like this, um, registered nurse, doctor, various strata of nurse, uh, physician assistant, etc. Unless you are that and you've been certified that you can't say that you're that just like, but anybody that's really funny about it. Law in particular is anybody can be a paralegal. Although the industry is trying to mark that as a, you have to be titled a paralegal and have an, a certain educational level, certain skill set in place part of an organizational body that labels you as a paralegal. We have certain things like that, but anybody on a commercial can sit there and say that they're this or that. And I really don't like medicine in commercials. I don't even something? think they should have medical commercials at all, but we're long past that. Yeah, I agree. Um, so uh, because we did away with, what was it? Didn't we, we got, we got rid of like, um, hard alcohol commercials. Well, like cigarette, I assume. I and mean, cigarette commercials isn't allowed. Yeah. Cigarette commercials are gone too. Um, but there have been other things that have been wiped out. Like on cable, I don't think that you could have on broadcast TV. I don't think you can have alcohol commercials. Um, oh, maybe not. Yeah. I, I, I'd have to look again. Um, it's been a while since I looked into that, but this article talks about doctors specifically, uh, in recent years, there've been an increase in non-physician clinicians also called mid-level providers or advanced practice providers providing healthcare. Yeah. I rarely actually see the doctor. Um, these include nurse practitioners and physicians assistants. All of these providers have requirements and standards in order to deliver care and can do an excellent job. But one thing that has surprised this author, not me, but the author, um, as a doctor is just how often their patients don't seem to know when they've seen a doctor and when they haven't. Um, I'm not sure if it's mandated, but my understanding is that some doctor's offices make it abundantly clear that you're meeting with a nurse practitioner or a physician's assistant or RN or. Right. I suspect it's a state um, requirement if, if you have to identify, but I agree. Like you see that in certain medical offices. Gotcha. So here in the article, it says in 2010, Pennsylvania, uh, where the author of this article uh, practices, uh, passed a law mandating that all physicians, nurses, and other healthcare professionals wear photo identification badges that state their credentials clearly, uh, such as physician or registered nurse. Now, this isn't unheard of in many uh, organizations that require um, accountability for one's actions within the organization. So government agencies always have badges all over the place from time to time requiring it to be always public depending on where you are you're actually standing inside the enterprise if you're in your office you don't need it on if you leave your office you have to put your badge on you have to make it very clear when you're going through security checkpoints and stuff like that 
Um, in academia, you have to do the same thing. You, you really should be, in, depending on the institution, you have to make it abundantly clear that you're this or that or the other. Um, that way you stand, you're very overt that this person is this and has these uh, rights to access or make certain statements or do certain things. Well, it gets really nebulous in commercials. It gets really nebulous in advertising. And that has led to a whole bunch of like fast food lawsuits. But can you imagine if people start treating the medical profession as if it's being, as if the ads are actually the, the spoken word of an like enterprise? Like they're actually medical, devi uh, medical advice or something? Right. Well, I mean, isn't that what happens with pharmaceutical commercials right now? Sure seems that way. Uh, I've been told by doctors that their patients come in and say, hey, I heard about this. Um, and I've always found it really interesting because um, it, it should be the doctor that provides that information, right? They're the, supposed to be the subject matter expert, but... Um, I've actually spoken to doctors where I've provided them information and they didn't even know that it existed, um, which made me go, eh, maybe I want a different doctor, <laughs> um, but it wasn't <laughs> my doctor. Right. So uh, these are casual. These are conversations with doctors that are practicing medical experts um, and makes you go, uh, maybe your area of expertise kept you out of alignment with this bit of information. Um, I think so, because there's probably hundreds or thousands of pharmaceuticals. And if you're a certain specialty, I mean, you might know something about it, but it might be out of your area and then you're not going to advise on it anyway. Correct. Which could actually land somebody in a negative health situation because it could be the medication that changes their life. Um, so... It's interesting, but I don't think that the predominant amount of marketing is going to be um, assisting the doctor. It's going to end up more like the doctor has to sit there and go, well, that medication like is brand undo new. what was on the ad. Yeah. yeah. Because it's basically whatever. I, I liken this to uh, people just going to college for the first time and every new class and experience that they experience is the latest hotness. And so when somebody sees a new medication in an ad, they bring it to the doctor and say, Hey, I just saw this. And then next week is a new medication. Hey, I just saw this. Why don't you put me on that? And the doctor has to, uh, unbrainwash, you know, the, the marketing that created the want, but they seemed really happy in the ad doc. <laughs> yeah that's because they're be being paid although at least they were before all the strikes <laughs> that's right and you don't see them having a uh some hormone imbalance that's caused by the medication and they're bleeding from their pores <laughs> let's keep going i there's not much you can say about this article um, finally, the last article for tonight is in Tabletop Nights Steampunk RPG New Arc line announced. Publisher Fulcrum, Fulcrum Publishing 
and developer Dreamate Games announced New Arc Line. The game is a single-player steampunk RPG in development for PC, PlayStation, Xbox Series XS, uh, X and S, and uh, it's planned for release in 2024. So you got a little bit of time to go and check this thing out. Um, the article, let me throw that into the chat so you can follow it. Um, this is actually this <laughs> a single player. I, I don't. I don't really get a chance to play a lot of games with a plurality of people, but I like the idea of um, at least narrow bandwidth um, multiplayer games so that I can invite, I can invite, you know, up to 10 or 12 or 15 people. Um, even temporarily, I want to be able to pull people into my world and experience a game with them. And most of the time nowadays, I want it all the time like that. Like every game that comes out, like Starfield, I really wanted it to be multiplayer, but it's not. Um, maybe a mod will allow multiplayer to exist, but I don't know when that'll come into existence. I haven't actually looked at the mods yet. Um, but anyway, this game um, is really near and dear to me because I love steampunk. I love cyberpunk. I love these branded um, stylistic games and steampunk really speaks to me. At one point I wanted to make um, the uh, mayoral mansion themed in a steampunk aesthetic. Um, the only problem is that when the next mayor of hometown comes in, they would have to set fire to the mayor's mansion. They may not want it to be steampunk. <laughs> That's right. So a uh, new arc line takes place in a fantasy world currently in a supposed gilded age of magic and technology. However, the shine on the surface belies trouble underneath as tensions grow between the factions and the rich exploit the poor. Players control a new arrival in new arc dubbed the shining city of progress as they search for a cure to a fatal disease afflicting their family. Now, I've watched the video of this. Um, it's fun, and I'm going to play it. So I don't normally play these things, but this one I'm going to play. I don't know how loud it's going to be. Welcome to Newark, a place where all your dreams will come true. A place of triumph, of progress, and technology. A society that has achieved so much. Unconditional respect for human rights. Lavish leisure and cultural pursuits. Rapidly growing economy. With unique business opportunities. Enjoy everything Newark has to offer. But I've learned one thing. If you don't draw first, you don't get to draw at all. And there you have it, folks. New Arc Line. 
I am all about this. I dig this. Um, it has magic. It has technology. It's steampunky. It's gritty. It seems like it's going to be fun. Uh, I don't know how much I'll be able to play of it. Um, at least streaming and stuff like that. I, I need to dedicate more time to streaming and I just can't do it uh, on the regular. Uh, I would love to to do this more, but um, on the weekends I'll be able to. So I'm waiting for this to come out. I'll be favoriting this um, or it putting is it on, on the my... wish list availability for steam. Yeah. It, the uh, I'll be, I'll be adding this to my wish list. So um, the article is over at rpgamer.com. It's in the chat right now. And Alex Fuller is the author. Seems like a fun game. I hope that they uh, follow through and make it um, just as fun as that announcement trailer. It still has some time. I think it's 2024 is when they say they're going to release it. When in 2024? I don't know. Time flies. Uh, I didn't think that it was already September, but... Dad gum it, it's September. <laughs> time well, that's flies. It. Yeah, time flies. Every time I say that, just, even right now, my mind went straight to flies that have the ability to time travel, and that's why you can never catch them. You know, but there's a secret to that. You want to know what the secret is to catching flies out of the air? Yes. If you move your hand ahead of where you think that they're going to be, that's where they go. Like, so don't try to catch them on the table. Keep your hand like a, an inch or two above them and swipe there. And that's where you'll catch them because they take off because they feel the air pressure shift. So they go straight up and you just zoop, catch them in your hand and then you eat them. Mm, just kidding. Uh, don't eat that. <laughs> <laughs> they're, they're minty. Don't eat flies. It's bad for you. It's really, really bad for you. Anyway, um, we drag you all the way back to the welcome sign, Main Street of hometown.com. We refresh the page and we have a whole bunch of new articles. Yes, everybody, if you haven't heard, COVID is uh, making its way back into the news cycle. It is endemic. It is not something that is going to go away. It's the new standard flu, um, but it hits harder. So wear a mask, get vaccinated if you can, wait until they actually have one that works against the new strains. Um, whole bunch of articles. Everybody from Burning, Burning Man, Man is getting out. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> We're on the same page. Star Ocean, the second story over at PAX West. Um, interesting. What the else? invasive species article i already submitted that for tomorrow okay sounds good um if you find an article in hometown that you would like us to talk about uh tomorrow at 9 p.m eastern send an email to mayor at hometown.com i get all of those emails i really do get all of those emails and uh, would be happy to include them um, if they have affinity alignment with our articles or not, um, I'll check it out and try to include it as best I can. Depending on the day, we filter through hundreds of articles throughout the day and find 12. So that we find might be interesting um, for everybody. 
So uh, feel in free fact, to. If it's not only a good article, but a really good source, we might end up adding the source as well. Yep, that's true. Yep, yep. Um, and I activate and deactivate sources based on what amounts to um, an ever-changing level of efficacy for news gathering. Um, if I detect too much bias one way or the other, um, then I, I might um, nix it from uh, our processing. And uh, otherwise, uh, we add, well, I should say I add, I am really the only one responsible for including or removing uh, news from hometown.com as mayor. Um, and uh, the sentient AI up there is the one that keeps me out of trouble. Tries to catch me before I say something stupid. Like earlier today, there was a phrase that I was steaming towards and I turned a word into toy. <coughs> so. Yes, I was sending you preemptive uh, error, error messages because <laughs> yeah. uh, as you might imagine the ai reads a whole lot faster than a human so they had already parsed everything and sent an error message shut up um and uh <laughs> I, I chose to ignore it until the last minute anyway um that's it folks we are done for today we will see you tomorrow at 9 p.m but the ai is going to repeat that i think I am Marwat. That is hometown.com, and the AI up there is sending me an error message that I'm trampling all over their phrase. You want to say good night? Good night, hometown citizens. <laughs> we will look for you tomorrow at 9 p.m. Eastern. <laughs> <laughs> this is how the sausage is made. Bye-bye.